Are you a small business owner or someone who has a real interest in building your own brand? Then deep dive into the UP Consulting Group's Business Building Bootcamp, the annual convention and training camp for entrepreneurial spirits. Join us this March 5 and 6 to discover how you can unlock your business potential. This episode is brought to you by Life Design that gets you out of bed. Add more life into your years. Get unstuck, flourish. This is the Independent Collective. Stories that inform, empower, and inspire. Life design is an iterative process to understand yourself, challenge and reframe beliefs and assumptions about your life and work, and try new ways of living and working that are more attuned to your happiness. If you're frustrated or confused about life and work, or need to add more life into your years, regardless of where you are in your journey, it's time to redesign your life. In this conversation with Cliff, we explore how the life design process and how it applies specifically to startup founders. Cliff is a tech entrepreneur and author. His company provides last mile delivery optimization with big data and AI. They also offer energy efficiency technology solutions for commercial and industrial customers across Asia. These include smart optimization for large HVAC systems using AI, IoT alert systems, intelligent lighting, and smart voltage control. Prior to this, he founded and managed a software company and sold it to a VC fund in 2007. He sits on the board of software company Magenic and was senior partner at AI consulting firm Addo AI. He is an innovation consultant with exposure in telecom, banking, healthcare, and supply chain. He is a Microsoft most valuable professional and a software technology resource person. Cliff is also the author of the book Shitty Places and Selfish People, Seven Rules of Engagement. He has two undergraduate degrees in social legal sciences and philosophy, two graduate degrees in philosophy and business, and certifications in positive psychology. Cliff will also be one of the panelists for our COO roundtable on January 31. Learn more about the event on our show notes. For now, let's get to this episode. All right, welcome back to the Independent Collective. With me today is the founder of Life and Work Design. He's also an entrepreneur, an author, and a mentor. So welcome, Cliff. Thanks for coming on the show today. So honored to have you. Hey, Leah. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and I know you're in the States right now, right? In Seattle, about yes. 12 hours behind me. 16. Mm-hmm. Oh, 16. 16 hours behind you and freezing cold. Oh, no. I hope you're having fun. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for making the time. So happy to have this conversation. Yeah, I know we're going to be talking about your platform, life and work design, and also the work you do. But before that, I have this icebreaker question. Are you ready for it? Shoot. Okay, so if you could be a fictional character in a book or a film, whatever you want, who would you want to be and why? Tony Stark, Iron Man. Great choice. Wow. I think you don't have to explain. Everybody knows who that is. But yeah. It's cool. <laughs> I know. And wow, I love Tony Stark. And yeah, thank you for sharing that. Are you a big fan yeah. of the film? Everything? Like, yeah. I haven't seen every single thing, but I know him because my brother. 
but <laughs> thanks for sharing. Yeah, so I want to talk about life and work design because I'm actually on the app for over a month now, and I've been seeing a lot of people there. And I think you could have more people joining the app if you could explain it clearly to their audience now. What is life design and why should people be on it? The website, which is www.lifeandwork.design, is actually an online community for life design that gets you out of bed. And it focuses on the, on the process of life design. For those of you who have encountered this for the first time, life, life design is an iterative process where you understand yourself, you challenge and reframe assumptions and beliefs about work and about life, and you try new and different ways of living and working that are more attuned to your happiness or your well-being. That's what it is in a nutshell, and it's for everyone. It's not just for those who are in their early 20s or in midlife. Let's say you're a fresh grad, you're confused about what to do. You studied accounting, but you think that you're supposed to work as an accountant. Not necessarily true. Or let's say you're uh, 27 and changed jobs twice or thrice already, but still feeling that you're not in the right place, you're not engaged at work. Or let's say you're in your midlife. You have two kids, one is out of school already, and You've accomplished much in your career, but you still feel that you're a bit lost. Your self-worth is a little bit shaky or your relationships are shot. That's also an opportunity to redesign your life. So that's in a nutshell what the life design is. Yeah, so it's really for everyone. Yeah, I've, I've been there for a while and I feel like it's a little LinkedIn community a bit. It's like people sharing opportunities, sharing their goals and how they're working towards those goals. So it's really fun. Yeah. And what's different about life design for entrepreneurs versus, let's say, life design for non-entrepreneurs? Well, entrepreneurs are a very special breed of quirky people. And when we talk about life design specifically for entrepreneurs, I guess, or let's say startup founders, the first or the main question up front you're trying to answer is, is entrepreneurship for me? Is this path for me, right? So if you apply the process of life design to life of somebody who's contemplating becoming a founder or starting a company, starting his own business, I can't tell you point blank that, yes, you're supposed to be an entrepreneur or, or no, you're not supposed to be an entrepreneur because I, I, I need to understand a little bit more about you and what's in your head and what's in your heart and uh, many other circumstances surrounding that. But I can provide you with a, you know, in a, in a venue like this, with a methodology or approach that will help you walk that path of figuring out whether you want to be a startup founder or an entrepreneur. I see. Can you share some tools or framework for answering the question, is entrepreneurship for me? Well, uh, I've been an entrepreneur for over 30 years. Uh, I started when I was uh, six. No, just kidding. Wow. I, oh. I started when I was in my early 20s. And uh, one of the, one of the, over time, you learn certain things about yourself and the decisions you make. And one of the 
um, frameworks or exercises or tools uh, that that uh, you may want to use or anybody who's in that situation may want to use is what I call the work alignment exercise. It's actually an exercise we do in our life design workshop. <clears throat> so we have a, a workshop that uh, spans four weeks. Uh, you'd spend something like 20 to 25 hours uh, during the four-week period to go through this process of life design. And um, in one of the modules, we have this work alignment, what I call the work alignment exercise. So this exercise uh, takes a look at uh, four different things. It takes a look at your resources. It takes a look at your interests. It takes a look at the market demand for what you may decide to be doing and your own personal values. So, uh, and we look at the different activities you have, the different work activities you have or the different activities you may have as an entrepreneur to figure out whether those activities align or are in support of uh, or in contradiction with um, your resources, your interest, the market demand, and the values. As you know, you, you don't become an entrepreneur in a vacuum. You're born into certain circumstances. You're born into uh, a, a certain level of uh, socioeconomic uh, class, uh, certain um, parents with certain upbringing, and, and which is passed on to you or your, 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 your uh, bred that way. Um, there are certain values, there are certain uh, uh, market dynamics. It's different whether it's different if you're born in the Philippines versus you're born in the US. The circumstances are different. So we take through the work alignment exercise, we take a look okay, how, what are the activities of me as an entrepreneur, startup founder? And how does that align with or uh, sit in conflict with or uh, 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 have trade-offs against uh, some of the resources I have, my interests or my passion, um, uh, the market demand and, and values, personal values? Interesting. So I'm, I'm glad that it's not just like about one's passion or interest. Like you take into account market demand, oh, you know, yeah. the resources yeah. available. Well, yeah. you, know, you often hear this thing, especially among uh, uh, people who give advice, follow your passion, right? Follow your passion. Yeah, uh, definitely. It, it's good. It's good. Mm -hmm. but, uh, it's also bad because it's incomplete. Uh, you can't follow your passion if you need to put food on the table, right? Exactly. Yes. So. And that doesn't mean that you're uh, settling for something less. I mean, and and because uh, people feel like if they can't follow their passion, they won't be successful, and uh, um, they're settling for the best version they can be. Uh, and I say that that's not true uh, because success. Uh, I look at success as the state where you've achieved your full potential in the context of your values and circumstances. So <clears throat> you can't look at you can't look at success in a vacuum. It's always in a certain context, and and the, 
a lot of problems arise when you try to gauge success, your own personal success, in 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 a vacuum, uh, separated from your circumstances, separated from your values, and and and, and certain other uh, factors that affect uh, where you are. Yeah, definitely. So let's say I'm an aspiring entrepreneur and I joined your workshop. I'm dirt poor, didn't finish college, have zero in my bank account, and literally no connections. Uh-huh. But I really want to be an entrepreneur. Will you discourage me to become one? Or will you still push me and like encourage me to go for it and just like kind of like, you know, bolster me up in a way? With encouragement, well, I, I wouldn't kill it. I wouldn't kill that desire. I, but I would look into okay, Leah. Let's take a look at uh, let's take a look at where you are in terms of resources. Um, is there any capital there? Is there any? Is there any? Uh, is there a, the skills you need to run a business? Do you have the technical skills? Do you have the business skills? Um, and when we talk about capital, it's one is money, the other one is uh, connections, social capital. Um, so I, I have to understand all of this. But if you tell me, hey, uh, my situation is such that I need to put food on the table in the next 15 days and then uh, the 30th day from today and then the 40, 45th day from today. And then so that simply means I need an, I, I need uh, a predictable uh, yeah predictable um, source of income immediately um, that already tells me that uh-huh. uh, you can't become an entrepreneur today doesn't mean you can't next two, uh, next next let's say next six months from now or next year but if that's the priority the situation you're in then I'll tell you hey Forget the entrepreneurship now. Uh, wake up. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. What's important for you now is to find a job and put food on the table. That, mm-hmm. That's you know that's that's a one one common case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. I feel like you resonate um, with me in a way because I have friends who are pure artists. You know, they really are in love with the arts or. They want to be directors or filmmakers, but they're studying computer science, or studying accounting, math. And it's not so much that their parents force it into them. It's more like, you know, they, they know that they need the capital before pursuing all those arts. So I'm in that circle of friends. Um, and I myself, I mean, I'm not like super passionate about math, but I'm studying it because uh, it's value. Um, but yeah, so I, I really agree with what you're saying. And, and, and sometimes, Leia, and sometimes, uh, once you have uh, achieved a certain financial stability, uh, you can use the money to do what you want. To yeah, pursue, exactly. To pursue mm-hmm. the art. That's what you're looking for, right? Yeah. But it's interesting because you took up philosophy in college, I know, in Spain. First at UP, and then you moved to Spain. Yes, yes. That's, so that's very interesting. Oh. One of one of my beliefs that I had to challenge was uh, I studied philosophy. I'm going to die of hunger. Yes, <laughs> I, I I listened to your podcast with Ron Sterveit Young, so that was a very fun one hour or so. Yeah, um, yeah. Going back, 
could you talk a bit more about how resources play into this RIMV tool? Yeah, so RIMV is the, the framework I mentioned earlier, the exercise I mentioned earlier, where we do work, align, work alignments exercise. Work alignments exercise in RIMV stands for resources, interest, market demand, and values. So um, if, if you want to drill down on resources, um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, resources can mean uh, several things. No, I lump them all together there. So one in, in one general basket, you have skills. And you have different kinds of skills, right? Or you can include talents if you want, a natural proclivity for music, for instance. Um, some of that is not learned. I mean, you're just gifted, right? Uh, because others, no matter how hard they work, they can never hit a note like, like me. Like mm-hmm. me. <laughs> so, um, uh, so, so one is skills. Now, if we're talking about entrepreneurship or becoming a startup founder, uh, um, I would classify uh, uh, the skills into three three categories. One one are the technical skills, meaning if you want to be a build a software company, you might be a good idea that you you know how to write code or understand how to design software. Or if you want to uh, build an insurance company, uh, you you want to understand actuarial tables like you do, right? Uh, or if you want to put up a restaurant, it might be a good idea that you learn or you know how to cook or to bake, right? Uh, so that those are the technical skills. Then you need. Then you also have the business skills. Um, uh understands understanding ins and outs of your finances of your marketing of your product positioning and we can talk a little bit about that later uh, but there's certain business skills that you need to have and then finally uh the third group is what i call character skills so these are skills that are more uh focused on your character and and through the years, one of the one of the common characters I see, character skills I see in uh, entrepreneurs and founders, are, they are generally optimistic people. And and I I'm I don't use optimistic here in a loose sense. I'm very specific about this. Um, I use optimism here as uh, a term referring to uh uh. What what the literature uh, terms as an explanatory style, meaning it's the way you explain things to yourself. It's your self talk. It's how you how you explain a bad event to yourself. So, a, a pessimist person would say that a, a, a bad event is permanent. Meaning, I lost my job. There's nothing I can do to change it. Permanency, right? But an optimist is not like that. An optimist will say, "Okay, I lost my job, but there's something I can do to change the situation, right? There's I, I can I can do things to change the situation." Then um, another characteristic of an, an a pessimist is uh, a pessimist always blames herself for everything. Meaning, going back to the job example, I lost my job; it's all my fault. Uh, there's nobody else to blame but me. Wait a minute. 
didn't you lose your job because the company was uh, well there's covid right now uh, the company shut if you're working in a let's say a restaurant chain they closed 50% of their branches business is down obviously they'll have to cut cut on people right and so so it's not totally because you are at fault right and then um, the 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 optimist on the other hand will say um, it's not totally my fault and uh, there are other reasons why I, I lost my job so that's that's one characteristic of uh, or a character skill of a uh, startup founder or uh, an entrepreneur especially when you're starting uh, starting uh, business oh yeah definitely especially since you know building a startup from scratch in Elon's words is like eating glass and staring into an abyss. So you have to have that certain amount of, I guess, positivity, optimism, call it what you may, you know, that makes everything a little less darker than it actually seems. So uh, it, 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 it's not detachment from reality. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not delusion. It's not like, uh, yes. uh, you're not grounded on reality, but it's, it's just a way of viewing things, uh, uh, or explaining bad events to yourself. Imagine if you're an, you, you were trying to sell, uh, you put up an insurance uh, company and you're trying to sell insurance and you get rejections, uh, uh, 19 rejections out of 20 calls you make. Uh, if you're a pessimist, you're going to give up right away. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's one characteristic you want. The other characteristic skill is, uh, or, or character skill is uh, that of resilience. So the ability to the ability to deal with, uh, um, recover, and grow from adversity. So this is something that uh, entrepreneurs have a lot, right? And maybe one final one would be being a self starter. Because remember, well, you probably experienced this in your own case. When you start your own company, I mean, you either move or nobody else will, right? Oh, yes. You have to take the initiative and you have to, uh, you have to rack your brain and figure out, okay, how am I going to uh, solve this particular problem? And you have to reach out to people. You have to be proactive. You have to look for resources. So, so that being... That 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 uh, character skill of being uh, a self starter is very important for uh, for a startup founder. Now, if you're not a self starter, um, um, you might not survive. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, the, the the other so so moving on from skills, the other the other uh, set of resources are capital. I mean, you need money to to put up uh, not a ton of money, but you need some money, uh, some money that you can actually burn. It can't be food money, because if it's food money, you'll starve, right? So it's it's separate your food money from the capital you're putting into the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and if all you have is food money, and if you lose that food money, you'll starve. Then that already tells you you can't become you, you can't start your business at this point in time, right? You, can, mm-hmm. you can't. Uh, and there's also another kind of capital, social capital, 
the the sense of uh, the the net the network you have and uh, the the sense of mutual help that people in your network are, are able to provide in terms of you or, or uh, you collectively trying to build a business or trying to help each other build a business so that's also important uh, the social capital so that's uh, I would say uh, on the resources side. Mm-hmm. But many times, isn't there a conflict between resources and interest or interest in market demand? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, and going back to the question earlier, follow your passion. Uh, if you just follow your passion, then you're doing this decision-making uh, in a vacuum. But the truth is, your resources may conflict with your interest. Like mm-hmm. with our example of starting a business versus, put, versus putting food on the table, or uh, your interest may conflict with market demand. Uh, example of your artist friends who want to go into art, but, you know, uh, in in your early years, in your many early years of an artist, nobody wants to buy their works. I mean. The brother buys the work, the sister buys the work, the mom buys the work, the uncle buys the work, and you'll run out of relatives. You'll run out of relatives to buy the work. So, um, so there could be a conflict between interest and, and market demand, right? Then you also have this conflict between market demand and your personal values. For instance, um, you don't agree with gambling you most likely won't work in a casino, right? Or uh, if if you don't agree with the business, the motel business, right? Uh, pe- people go there to have short, they, they have sex or, or, or sometimes it's a front for prostitution. Uh, so, if, you do, if, if those are against your values, most likely you would not work for an organization that does that, right? So, so um, again, the, you have to understand what those conflicts are so that in the end you can, uh, you can prioritize and make the correct trade-off decisions between which do I prioritize this interest or this lack of resource or this personal values of mine or uh, market demand. So um, there's always a conflict and you have to work out those trade-offs. So it's important that you understand what the trade-offs are. Mm -hmm. Right. So you can't have it all. You can't. You can't. That's That's a fairy tale. I see. Yeah. That's a very good clarification because it's hard sometimes when people say, I want to be an entrepreneur because I want my time in my own hands. Uh-huh. I want to have vacations whenever I want to and then end up not having vacations at all exactly. when you eventually become one. So, uh, yeah, that's true. You can't have it all. And I, I'm really interested now, um, down to my last two questions. Can you talk about top business skills that a startup founder needs, you know, that very essential skills that a startup founder can't live without? Okay, okay. Um, uh, one is dif- 
one is the idea of the ability to differentiate your product or offering. I mean, you see this a lot in textbooks, the idea of differentiation. But the truth is, many products out there are not differentiated. Uh, or if they are, it's just differentiated based on price. Meaning it's, it, it becomes a market where price is just the, uh, the main tool for competing. Now, um, and it requires a lot from the entrepreneur or the product designer specifically to figure out what, what differentiation can, can he or she build in the product offering that is, number one, relevant to the customer, number two, compelling enough, and number three, uh, the customer is willing to pay for. Um, relevant meaning, um, no matter how nice a jacket is, I can, I can sell you my jacket, but it's so warm where you are. It's not relevant, right? This can be a very, a, a very valuable, ex uh, expensive jacket, but if it is not relevant to your, your market, it's that differentiation doesn't really matter. Right? The second thing is it has to be compelling, meaning you, you practically put the customer in a situation that he doesn't have a choice but to buy your product because of uh, the intensity, because of how compelling it is. And, and um, it trumps all, all other ways of coping with a problem. For instance, um, going to the example of a jacket. Let's say, let's say uh, I'm in I'm in a cold country. Um, I can offer you a jacket that is differentiated because uh, I don't know it 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 becomes warm under sunlight, for instance, right and uh the the consumer always has other ways of com of of uh coping with cold he can use different kinds of jackets uh, but yours has to be compelling in a certain in in one way or the other so that he you know when he sees it or when he's presented it he has no choice he practically has no choice but to buy that so whether that 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 level of being compelling is driven by certain features or certain brand equity or certain convenience or uh, some other some other attribute uh, it, it has to be compelling then the third thing is the idea of uh, um, uh, the customer should be willing to pay for the product now uh, as part of, I see founders, they, they've learned this process of uh, prototyping and trying to get feedback from the market. And they go out, they, they interview people, they present their product, and they say, do you like this? And the, 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 the survey participants say, yes, we like it. They do one-on-one -on -one interviews, they present the product. Then the customer says, yes, we like it. Right, so the, the, the entrepreneur now builds the product. 
And then when he launches, he goes back to the customer and he says, do you like it? Yes, I like it. Will you buy it? The customer says, wait a minute. Uh, and then you end up with a situation where the, the, the entrepreneur is not able to sell his product. So there's a gap between, yes, I like the product, and yes, I'm willing to pay $100 for the product, or 100 or 1,000 pesos for the product. Right? So you need to validate not only whether they like the product, but are they willing to pay for it? Right? So it's very important that you don't, don't miss it. Um, so the ability to differentiate this one. Another, another skill would be uh, um, the practice of being a design thinker, meaning when you start your company, you will not get it right the first time. Nobody gets it right the first time. There's always this process where you need you need to tweak. I'm sure when you started, you pivot. You yourself pivoted, right? Yes. So 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 the process where where you go uh, with certain hypotheses about and assumptions about your market and about your product, and then you put it out, you test it, you gather feedback, and then you refine, and then you 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 adjust, then you put it out again, and then. Uh, you gather feedback, you adjust, and then you try again. So in, the, in, in those iterations, you end up uh, fine-tuning. You, you end up fine-tuning the offering to a point where you get uh, uh, product market fit. You get yes. fit with, the, with, okay, this is the product offering, and this is what the customer is willing to pay for. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. find that fit. So it's crucial that entrepreneurs or founders throughout that process uh, stay resilient are optimistic mm-hmm. uh, don't quit right and and and, are, and 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 have this ability to deal with that insert uh, that uncertainty because that entire process is uncertain you don't know where you're gonna end up so you have to be able to be comfortable with the uncertainty and with the process of uh, design thinking, and then my, maybe finally one skill would be uh, a, a a deep understanding of the economics around your product, specifically the relationships between your costs, volume, and profitability. Um, and, and this, this uh, people call this uh, unit economics, or uh, uh, the accountants would say, "Oh, that's management accounting, uh, where you look at variable cost, fixed cost, and how um, uh, those things change with volume and how it affects your profitability." So, a deep understanding of the relationship between your cost, the volume, and profitability is important. Um, so that you don't end up just working and working and working and working and selling and selling and selling and selling, and and then you're realizing that, hey, there's no money in the back, or we're not profitable. So what's wrong? Where 
what are we missing, right? So it's important that you understand those relationships. So wow. differentiation, design thinking, and uh, uh, understanding the relationships between cost, volume, and profitability. Yes, I learned a lot. Thank you so much, Cliff. That was a very educational, but also fun conversation. And yeah, I guess a fun way to end this um, interview would be, what are you most excited about this 2022 and why? Are you excited about it? Uh, I hope the pandemic ends. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think that's everybody's wish right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, the, 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 one of the things we all miss is the, the human connection, the ability to, you know, just gather with friends and just chill and just uh, swap lies and uh, brag to each other. And uh, uh, so, so that, that's, that's maybe, maybe what I wish would, would happen in, 20, in 2020. Oh, there's, there's one more thing, though. Um, I wish we picked the right leaders for our country. <laughs> oh yes, this May election. Yes, that, that, this May, this May. I, I, I really hope we pick our right the right leaders. Yes, that's my one big hope too. I guess thank you so much, Cliff. This was a very fun conversation. Thank you again for coming. Any last words? Um. Well, just uh. uh those of you who um, are, are interested in taking a look at what life design is or if you're frustrated or confused with uh, where you are in life, uh, it doesn't matter where you are in your journey. Um, if you're in that situation, it's time to redesign it. So if you're interested in doing that, um, visit uh, Life Design That Gets You Out of Bed. It's at www.lifeandwork.design. Yes. Thank you. And everything will be linked in the show notes. Once again, thank you for listening. This has been Leah for the Independent Collective. Hey, I'm Natalia. And I'm Leah. And we're the founders of Indigo. And we'd like to thank you for listening. We'd especially like to thank everyone who's been with us since day one. You guys are the real heroes behind our brand. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube, TikTok, and on Instagram too. All our links are in the show notes. We've said this before, but we'll say it again. Thank you very much. Till next time.